We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. This is episode 300 of Striking Gold. First and foremost, that is a massive shout out to all of you and everybody that listens to the pod and supports us. So I appreciate you. Secondly, I've got a very special guest for y'all today. Just a quick disclaimer, though, we recorded this episode before Nick Bosa and the 49ers agreed to some massive five-year, $170 million extension, including $122 million guaranteed. Makes Bosa the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history, so bear with us on the outdated Bosa conversation. It's not a whole lot of the pod. It doesn't take up a whole lot of the conversation, but thanks a lot, Nick. But there's so much more. It's over an hour and a half. We reminisce, talk life in general, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, cornerbacks, Steelers, and more. Uh, Before we get to the episode, y'all need to show up for your boy because Striking Gold is now sponsored by Prize Picks. It's the easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You pick more, you pick less on two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. What I like best, prize picks, is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. It really is that easy. For the 49ers' week one matchup against the Steelers, I picked tight end George Kittle to have more than 41 yards receiving. I also picked Purdy to throw more than .5 interceptions. Don't worry. I still, I still think he'll play well. Lastly, I picked Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett to throw for less than 212 yards. Go to prizepicks.com gold. Use promo code GOLD, that's G-O-L-D, for a first deposit match of up to 100 bucks. If you put in 100 bucks, they're going to match it. That's prizepicks.com slash gold. Use code G-O-L-D. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. One more time, special guest coming up. I hope you all enjoy. I will catch you on the other side. Has got a little sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. 
What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. For all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker, I appreciate you tuning in. And I didn't I didn't give you any warning with this. I didn't I didn't preface it. I didn't build it up. I've got a special guest for y'all today. This is episode 300 of Striking Gold. And there isn't a soul on earth that I'd rather have on this episode. And I mean that when I say that, because if Kyle Shanahan hit me up and was like, hey, Rob, I, I just want to come on Striking Gold and talk ball. I'm a big fan. I'm a big listener. I would have to say no, because this is episode 300. And it's reserved for the man that started this damn show, Eric freaking Crocker. What's up, bro? What's up, man? I guess How everything doing, is man? up. Every, everything is up except for Nick Bosa signing his contract. <laughs> well, his contract is it's it's up. It's time for him to do it. But uh, I don't know what the hell is going on with that. I thought this would be signed, sealed, and delivered by training camp, and it's not. So aside from Nick Bosa not knowing if he's going to play in Pittsburgh, everything else is yeah perfectly fine. I know, I know. So you, I mean, you were you were in what do they call Arkan Arkansas people like Arkans Arkansonian. Are, do they really? Yeah. Arkansans. So you were in Arkansan for like what? I mean, how long were you there? Five years? Three, a little bit over three years. Okay. And Feel now like you're back in California. Right, <laughs> right. Now you're back. Now you're back in California. Why why'd you leave? Why'd you come back? What's the what was your, your general thought? Uh, you know, a few reasons why. I mean, you know, you and I, we talked a ton before I made that move. And the biggest thing was, you know, we were figuring out, my wife and I how to just make things work, right? And when I say make things work, I mean, you know, from a financial standpoint, we were, uh, she was finishing up all her prereqs for the LVN to RN program. It's a, it's a one-year yep. nursing program. Uh, I was trying to go back to school, finish getting my degree. California state schools were like, uh, you're going to start over at, like, as a junior college transfer. I said, hell no, I'm not <laughs> doing that. And financially, it made more sense there just because it's cheaper to live. So the, the cost of living. So we said, you know what? We could try to make everything work out there, and, and eventually we'll just come back to, to California. And while we were out there, I'm not going to lie, like coming back to California didn't seem like an option because things were going so well. Uh, right. You know, you remember, and I was doing the podcast still when we started talking about potentially building a building uh, for, you know, training athletes and things like that. And, you know, I was able to do that. I was able to buy a home out there. But, uh, you know, the longer I was out there, which I loved it, everybody was great. Everybody was, you know, very supportive of everything I was doing. You know, it was tough. I kind of came to this uh, turning point where, uh, you know, as a businessman, things weren't making sense. And then as a family man, things weren't making sense. And for me, you know, the first time kind of being in that position, it was it was different. You know, I had kids in California and what I was doing was I was, I was training during the week, you know, Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Thursday, I'm training athletes. I'm doing that. And then Friday, most of the time I'm flying out to California, spend time with my kids. Uh, I'm doing my podcast every day. I'm training athletes. You know, I'm trying to be accessible to both. And uh, while the podcast stuff started really, really taking off, uh, it took a hit when once I had to start focus on the gym. Well, the money wasn't evening out. You know, the money I was losing from focusing on the gym as opposed to just focusing solely on the podcast. Uh, it essentially made me go from somebody that was making really good money, more money than I ever thought I would make podcasting yeah. to kind of still making good money podcasting, even though it was cut in half, but now living paycheck to paycheck because I'm also trying to support 
my gym as well. So, um, you know, that was a difficult decision because my wife loved it out there. You know, I loved it out there, but I'm not going to lie. It feels good being back home and it feels good to be just podcasting. Like that's all I do. So, um, it's fun, man, being back here, you know, around my kids a lot more, obviously, even though I was flying out all the time, but, uh, not having to travel, seeing my kids together, and uh, being able to get on this podcast with you as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like, I mean, I guess probably it's like, it's almost like, I assume you can deal with like the business stuff and you can always kind of make do with that. You know, like you can, you can make that work, but when it starts to affect like your family life, I'm assuming that's when things really are like, all right, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna work. Or- originally what it was, you know, just being fully transparent, you know, my daughter Pickle, she loves her siblings. She loves all, you know, loves them so much. She's the baby. And she would say to me, she's growing up quick, quick, bro. She is, isn't she? She is, man. I can't, I can't believe it. So, you know, she would say to me, daddy, uh, can, can Shane come live with us? And I'm like, well, you know, Shane has a different mom. Like that's not going to happen. She's like, well, can I go live with Shane? And I'm like, well, no, that's not going to happen either. <laughs> but once she started saying those things, and again, I knew that my kids needed me out here again. The, the, the goal was never, ever to stay out there long term, especially not as long as we stay. But once things started happening, it was like, man, like, I kind of be a fool not to, you know, go all in on, on this with this opportunity. But it was hard. It was hard on me. It was hard on my daughter. It was hard on, even hard on my wife with, you know, the other kids too. And um, ultimately it was like, you know, is it is it worth it to have all these different things, but not be able to truly experience that with your your family, your kids, you know, your 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 friends, your brothers, you know? Um, so right. I had an amazing setup, a lot different than uh, which a lot of people don't even know this, but when I when we were doing this podcast, I mean, there was a time my wife and I we had downsized. We were living in like a one bedroom apartment with the kids, and we were you and I were recording in the living room, and I'm recording off this. Was that like, when when you were being terrorized by the rabbit? That's when not the not the rabbit. This is before the rabbit, so this is before okay, I okay. But um, but uh, yeah, the rabbit was when I we finally moved to Arkansas. Okay, yeah. So this is when you were still here. Got it. Got it. Got so it. I will say this: out of all of that, man, I made some met some amazing people. Uh, people that I'm going to love forever and um, be in contact with forever. But my wife and I did come back in a drastically better position than when we left. Like I words right. can't even explain how much of a better position we are in now, as opposed to when uh, we left California. So uh, most people, you know, they leave California because it's like, man, it's too hard. And, and we did for a time, but coming back now, uh, not having any financial worries you know long term uh it feels good it feels good well i mean dude there's in the end there's like dreamers and then there's doers and i remember being on this podcast and just listening to you talk about hey man we're you know moving to arkansas and you know i'm working out with the stuff with the land i'm you know i'm i'm borrowing this gym right now but i think i'm gonna be able to get some land to build my own gym like there's people that talk that shit and never do it and you you've hurt those people a million times but the fact that one you couldn't, it would take a lot of convincing just to make me, get me to move across country. And there'd be no way I'd be able to summon the, the fucking courage to put together the money and the land and all that stuff to build a gym and then put it into action and start training fools. And like, dude, like seeing that go from a plot of land to a bigger plot of land, to a foundation, to a gym, to people training. It's like, dude, people talk about that shit all the time. And 
doesn't matter that you didn't stay there and stick with it. Like you went there and you did it and people just don't do that. And you know, if anything, it's like, you're just moving on to a new challenge. You know what I mean? You went there, you did it. And I I, I have a lot of respect for that, man. Cause there's a lot of people that talk that game, but never actually do it. And you did all that shit. And and in the process, I found myself with kind of podcasting and kind of understanding the business side of this, this and uh, different ways I could potentially take it. But uh, being able to podcast, and I say full time, but it's like, you know, I, we're talking about two hours out of my entire day. Bro, that's, I, I mean, I spend on the mic, but I, I make a, you know, a living off of it. Uh, that part is wild to me. Yeah, because- but even then, you can't sell yourself short, bro, because think of all the things you did to lead up to Peacock inviting you onto that podcast. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we stuck out striking gold for a couple years before you went there. And before that, you were doing your own thing, just building up, you know, making yourself into somebody that, 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 that would be wanted to be in, invite onto a podcast that was already that successful with Peacock. You know what I mean? Like he was already killing the game before you showed up and then, but you were so valuable and you'd made yourself so valuable that he thought you, he would, you would make his podcast better and you did. And you know, it's like, don't sell yourself short just because you only have to work two hours a day. Doesn't mean <laughs> you didn't put in fucking thousands yeah. of hours before that, you know, right. to get to that point. Yeah. So uh, now, now it's more so about really capitalizing on everything that comes with, you know, podcasting, uh, sponsors, things like that. Yeah. You know, um, trying to finalize this stuff with Woodson Whiskey, which, you know, I was just on stage with Charles Woodson. I would have never imagined that in a million years. Didn't he just become like the official whiskey of like the NFL or, or the, is it the NFL or the Raiders? Uh, the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, even at, then, at their, at their stadium, everything. So I actually have some. He sent me a bottle of it over here, but um, yeah. So I'm trying to finalize the the a deal with them to where you know they're one of my sponsors of my YouTube channel. So uh, you know, just even you know, just things like that. You know, it's like right, pretty cool. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's it all just goes back to you know, there's people that talk about it, and there's people that do it, and now you're at a point where you're like, damn. I'm doing it <laughs> like yeah. in, in all aspects. It won't be long before we just see you on ESPN talking shit on somebody or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you're already on Bleacher Report, whatever, whatever. I mean, I'm happy for you, bro. I'm happy for you. And it's funny because at the time, striking gold just seemed like such a massive thing. Like we were just doing this thing and it seemed huge, but like yeah. you've just gone like 18 steps above it with all this shit. It's pretty cool, man. It's cool. It's, it's cool. I, I tell you the the best thing apart about it, you know, or one of the best things. There's plenty of perks, but uh, going to 49ers games and the love, like from the fans that say, you know, they listen to me, you know, all the time, and you know, right. That's that's probably the cool. That's one of the cooler things with it. Something that uh, if anybody knows me, like I don't, I don't look for, like one, I don't look for like validation from other people, but I also don't look for people to, like tell me like how good of a job I'm doing, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, but the fact that people come up and, and, and tell me that it really means a lot to me because, you know, I do love talking about 49ers football. I love talking about football in general. So you would do it for free. I, I did, but you don't free. have to, right? <laughs> but you don't have to. And, right. and that's what I mean. It's like, you know, like, and, and I, I not comparing at all, but like when I stepped into that 49ers locker room for the first time, 
you know, and I started going to games as media for the first time yeah. and I developed my own relationships with the media people and didn't need anybody's help anymore. You know, and I was like, damn, like how the hell did this happen? And then I thought to writing for free for like four years, you know what I mean? It's like, you got to do a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people don't quite understand the amount of legwork that goes into just putting yourself in position to take advantage of an opportunity like that. And you have just done that time and time and time and time again, because nobody well, just came along and said, I like made it go away. Like that was the thing. Like, cause you know, you do have to ride that when you, when you're on that wave and it's going up, you know, or you're on that elevator going up, you know, you want to stay on the elevator. You don't want to get off, you know? Right. And I kind of like halfway got off, but halfway was on. And yeah, but you your, know, your passion is training athletes, man. Yeah. You yeah. gotta. You have to give yourself the opportunity to explore that. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You have to do it. Yeah. And you're still gonna get to do it. You know, just maybe not in the same fashion. Right. Which just is, jumping fences at a local middle school and training people. Right. More, I'd <laughs> say, you know, even with the opportunity I have, you know, being able to do it out here in Stockton, you know, people still show me love. So it's like, yeah, man, crap. You know, whatever you need, you know, just let us know. And yeah, it's good. So, uh, I one of my guys I've been training. And I want to say I had told you about it when he first got out there. My guy, he was flying out from the East Coast. He was a UConn cornerback. Yeah, I remember that. So, you know, he was flying into Arkansas to train with me. And uh, eventually he ended up transferring to Vanderbilt. So he transferred to Vanderbilt, um, played the last year there in the SEC. He he did solid. Uh, got invited to an all-star game, the Hula Bowl, out in Orlando. I went out there to go, you know, watch him practice. Uh, next thing you know, he ends up getting picked up by the Baltimore Ravens, and he's still there. So uh, that was, is he uh, on the roster? Is he on the he's practice on the squad? Practice squad, yeah. Uh, but it sounds like they want to potentially pull him up if there's any injury to a safety. He'll be the first guy called up. So to to see him go through that, and just the situation at UConn, where you know Jim Moore Jr. We're all familiar with Jim Moore Jr. and who he is, and you know his him coaching for however long. But Jim Moore, they were fire. UConn was firing their head coach. They brought in Jim Moore halfway through the season. He's just, you know, viewing everything. After the season, he asked my guy, like, you know, how much time do you have left? And he was like, oh, I have a year. He was like, well, you might want to take that year and hit the portal because, you know, I don't think you can play for me. So my guy had to hit the portal. And, I mean, a bunch of teams wanted him. He ended up going to Vanderbilt. And uh, he started at Vanderbilt in the SEC. I guess he couldn't, he couldn't start at UConn, but he could start at Vanderbilt in the SEC. Right, right. And, and, he can, uh, and, he can, and he can be on an NFL roster. And he could be on the NFL roster, but he couldn't play for Jim Moore at UConn, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Seems funny. But... but he'll be flying out to Stockton to train with me. Uh, some other guys, some of the uh, DBs from like, uh, like Dallas Cowboys and stuff like that, they'll be coming in that kind of live in this area. What's a better What's a better football scene, Arkansas or California? California. Not, yeah. Okay. Football scene in in the sense of what? Just like going to. Well, a no, we'll we'll keep it related to you in in terms of opportunities to to be around athletes, to train athletes, to maybe go to things that you want to go to as a trainer. You know, to like what? Where I mean, Ooh, yeah. Where would you rather great. be? Okay, so. The South, it's a little different. They are behind in the sense of training. You do have an opportunity to really work with a lot of talented kids. The issue, which is different than California, is California has bought into, you know, training gets you better on the field. Like, it's important. Uh, a lot of people have bought into, I need to invest in my kid training. 
the South is a little bit more behind, especially Southeast Arkansas, in the sense of just like having trainers and people understanding like the importance of it. Um, now, other areas they have like they do have terrific athletes, and I you know I see that all up and down um, the, the South. But California, from a technical standpoint, is definitely further along. Uh, I think California doesn't have as many physical freaks as you see in the South, but in the sense of if I, you know, need you to, you know, routes on run routes and look good and backpedal and stuff like that. Like these California kids, they've been getting trained on that since they're, you know, seven years old now, because that's how far back training goes. Out right. there, they're not really seeing that. Now, where are they excelling? Um, especially in Arkansas. And I, I don't want to speak too much for the other states, even though I was like on the border of Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. But uh, baseball. It's like a lot of football train. going on in those three states, bro. Yeah, I know. Now, <laughs> football in the sense of like college, oh, it's there every day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. But how many how many athletes, how many times have you turned on TV and be like, oh, man, like that, that, that athlete that I'm watching on TV is from Arkansas? Like you rarely, right. you rarely hear right. that. So um, they're a little behind in the sense of training. And, you know, you had me out there trying to change the culture and get kids to understand like how important it is. And the ones that did buy in, like, they were terrific. Uh, I don't think it's enough to run a sustainable gym based around that football. I had to kind of, like, pivot and be like, okay, I'm going to do speed and agility training and, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. train athletes that way. But, um, you know, out here, and like, you know, being in Stockton, it's like, oh, yeah, you, you know, football training. And even then, you know, our kids, and even in Stockton, They'll be they'll half ass it just a little bit, but you should have way more numbers, so it doesn't matter, right? right? Because everything's uh, just so dense. Like there's just football town after football town after football, you know, little football towns all up right. and down the 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 state, you know, with good right. with decent programs, right? You know, out there though, they do have some. And again, I think teams with California would probably go out there and just wax a lot of those high school teams in Arkansas. Yeah, but um. You know, they, they, they have some good programs, though, for sure. Well, damn, man. I mean, that's a journey. So now you're back in California. I mean, you're going to pretty much keep on keep doing the same things, right? Recording your podcast and training athletes, and now you want to be a uh, a male model? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, I, you know, because I have more time, I, I try to challenge myself in different, challenge myself in different ways. Uh, you know, I had started gaining weight, dude. I got up to almost 220 pounds. I was like 218. Which for me is wild because I'm just not built for someone that holds that kind of weight. Uh, so I just started like, okay, I just want to lose weight. So I just started working out. I changed the way I ate, you know, started working out, getting after it really tough. And sure enough, I started losing weight. Then it's like, okay, I need something else to really challenge me. So I'm like, man, I'm going to do CrossFit. So I started doing the CrossFit and I'm getting into it. And and it's <clears throat> the way they did it is, you know, you, you're beating, you're racing like a time. You know, you'll, they'll have their strength portions of their workouts. And then once you finish the strength portion, you know, you get into, uh, like, you know, they do like, they have like, uh, you know, you're kind of beat, beating a time and there, there's a certain amount of weight you're supposed to work with or a certain amount of reps. So, um, I'd be, always be at the top, like number one, two or three, like for sure every single day. And, but that was what like kind of kept me going. Well, once I started to kind of reach a certain level of like, like where I was from a physique, you know, I went again from like 218 to all of a sudden, I'm like 186, 187. I lost a lot of weight, but I was strong, right. like as strong as I've ever been. Uh, I was like, well, 
how do I like get bigger biceps? Like, how do I see my quads more? How do I get bigger calves? Like, how do I get a bigger butt? Like, you know, um, how do I round out my shoulders? Like all those things. So I started looking into it. And I'm like, I think it's kind of, when I think about everything that goes into getting, doing that, CrossFit is, is not for that right now. No, again, we're, we're talking about a normal like person going to a CrossFit gym. We're not talking about CrossFit games, people who are, you know, taking all kind of wild stuff, uh, <laughs> uh, working out, you know, three times a day in the CrossFit gym. Uh, you know, they're, they're monsters. They're built like crazy. Right. But the normal CrossFit person at a gym, you'll slim down, you'll be strong, all that. But as far as, uh, you know, trying to identify certain areas of the body that you want to change, it's not necessarily for that. Like, so I, I start looking into different I'm things. I'm sure a lot of like weightlifters would tell you that is almost, it's not anti, but it's that t- those type of workouts can, can deplete muscle. If you're trying to like get 100%. big, it, that, it'll that take actually, it away. That's 100% what I'm sure they'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, and that's why yeah. most of them, if you listen to like the bodybuilders and, or people in like that type of, or like even like the aesthetics side of things, they despise kind of CrossFit. They're like, <laughs> yeah, you I'm sure they're your body up, you know, like, you know, I get it, but you know, you have the injuries and stuff like that. I, I wasn't hurt. Like I was good. I, I, and I, I have nothing bad to say about CrossFit other than I think for me personally, who I was never going to like even compete at a regional contest because my shoulder mobility sucks. Uh, you know, there's a lot of overhead stuff. You know, I'm 36 years old now. I had never done any of that stuff. So all of a sudden, it's like trying to do overhead squats. It's like, uh, it's not really my thing. I can't really. <laughs> I was strong, so I'd kick ass there. But then there'd be certain days where, oh, I'm not good at that. Or I'm not good at muscle-ups. Or I'm not good at, you know, there's just certain things to where there was always going to be a cap with how much I could do with CrossFit. Right, right. Unless I really was just like, okay, I'm going to spend a whole year just, you know, I'm going to actually put the weights down. I'm going to focus on my mobility and, you know, so I can the do Tom Brady squats. approach, man. So I can do overhead squats, right? Like, no. <laughs> so um, I started looking for the next thing and I knew what type of training I wanted to do, but wasn't sure how I wanted to go about it. But um, I went and talked to a guy and he's like, heck yeah, man, I can help you. And he's like, man, you think about getting on stage? I'm like, I never have, but I know with me, it always goes from one thing to the next. It's so, a goal, man. It's a, yeah. it's a goal. So now I'm like, you know what? Why not? And I looked at some of the people that they've trained and worked with. A woman that was in her 40s, five kids, and what her her body went from like, I mean, somebody who just never lifted weights, never touched it, touched weights. I mean, just wild, crazy looking body. And when I say crazy, not in a good way. She went from that to all of a sudden, like just chiseled up, no zero. Like I, I was gonna say zero percent body fat, but you gotta have some percent, right? We're talking about yeah, you, but yeah. very low, like the lowest amount of body fat you can have for a woman. She had that. Uh, but with good muscle definition, I'm like, if they can make this chick go from this to that, then I can do it. If I, if I'm, you know, strict enough with my dieting, if I'm strict enough with my workouts, and it just gave me something to, you know, uh, utilize with, with my time. So that's the next thing for me. I'm starting actually when I get back from the 49ers game in Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's obvious. You know, you're just a goal oriented person, and you have to have something to set your sights on. Otherwise, you'll just Start staring at the ceiling and shit. You know, you got (laughs) to like, and and I'm kind of the same way, dude. I know how it is, man. You got to have something. And I think that's what separates a lot of people is like you define something very specific and you're like, okay, I'm going to aim for that. You know, like the old, 
the Patriot, you know, aim small, miss small. And like, that's the thing, like you might never get on stage, but just aiming for something like that, you're going to get like shredded out of your mind, bro. It's going to be crazy. Right. I'm sure Stevie just hates that idea. Well, Stevie. Being sarcastic, of course. Well, no, but the thing that she does hate about it is that because I'm, you know, I've gotten more serious with my, you know, appearance or just my, like my health overall. Now it's like, well, I kind of hold her accountable a little bit (laughs) and not to the same extent at all, but like, you know, you should be doing something. You should be doing something kind of working out. And I think that could be a little annoying. Matter of fact, um, she actually threw like a little jab at me on Instagram today, like a little subliminal, uh, <laughs> uh, little Instagram passive aggressive. Yeah. Cause, um, I had told her, I was like, Hey, you know, there's this lady, she does this challenge. It's like this little black dress challenge or whatever. Like, you know, um, and it's basically, you know, something, it's essentially my way of saying you can get in the gym, like get the fuck, get it, get your ass in the gym, <laughs> like do that, you know? And it's like, easy, this, easy. It's this thing that these, uh, you know, it's a challenge or whatever, but you know, to get in that dress and look really good. So today on her Instagram post, she posted something like little black dress, something like just some, basically just taking a shot at me telling her, she <laughs> do it. but basically I look good without doing that challenge. I don't need that challenge to look good in this little black dress. Well, she had a little black dress on and she did look good. But Well, Hey man, Hey, she's going to do what she's going to do, man. Yeah. well i guess we could mean shit man i I don't think there's these these motherfuckers on striking gold they've been listening to my voice for like a hundred episodes since you've last jumped on here so i don't think they're gonna mind a bit just listening to you and about your shit and if you do mind i don't give a damn this is episode 300 we're gonna do what we want but i don't know man what's 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 if you think about the 49ers right now just what's the first thing that pops into your head like good bad what's the first thing chaos yeah, it's been a weird off season. It has been interesting, uh, just the way they've gone about everything. I know they have a plan. I just don't know exactly what that plan is, at least with the way that they go about things. And I know everything isn't for Eric Crocker to understand. As long as they are on the same page in that building, they're good. But they do things a little different than anything I've ever seen. And it's hard to argue with the results, which is three NFC Championship appearances in the last four years. But right. I don't know if people will be lined up to copy their model on how they go about everything that they do. So, I mean, you know, I say chaos. It might be organized chaos in their opinion, and, and they know exactly what they're doing. But I think it's been a little odd. And, uh, you know, so much so that a, a head coach that has coached a team to three NFC championships in the last four years, people are insinuating he's potentially on the hot seat, which I don't. But just the fact that that's even a thought in people's minds because of how he, you know certain things have been handled, I think that lets you know that you know it, it is it's kind of a weird space that they're in. Now I I say that, but you know they go out there and they kick the Steelers' butt, then. And my bro, he's he's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. He said not gonna happen. <laughs> but um, if they go out there and kick Steelers' butt, then nobody will care about anything that has happened up until this point. Now you're gonna lose. The that the noise will get louder. There will be some well, I mean, people that just say, "Well, they, you know, they always start slow or something." You know, you'll hear that, <laughs> but the noise will start to get a little bit louder. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. When you, you they said it a million times, winning solves everything. 
And I think the 49ers are a franchise that if they weren't winning so much, there would be some, some problems. You know what I mean? Like the fact that the 49ers can take a, can give up what they gave up for Trey Lance and do what they did and then just keep right on chugging along. Like nothing fucking happened. You know, like there's only a few franchises that could do that without, I mean, the noise would be 10 times louder if the 49ers had not won so much. And they still got after him. You know, plenty of people yeah. still got after him. They're still getting after him. But it's like, imagine that if it was a team that was a bottom 15 team trying to do that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, they win a lot. So people are like, okay. Yeah. We'll so see. here are my thoughts. My, my, my thoughts on all of that, right? And it's not even so much, okay, you draft a player and then, you know, he gets hurt and, uh, you know, by the graces of God, you you know, Brock Purdy comes in and he plays exceptionally well. And it's like, well, I guess we don't need this guy that we traded up for, right? And like, man, we're good. God, God Brock Purdy, everybody's behind him. Awesome. That That's great. Uh, my issue is more so a hindsight thing, I guess, when you start to find out more of the details and you hear Kyle Shanahan talk more and more about it, and you start to kind of replay how everything went. And it's like, if if that was your mindset, why the hell would you trade up all that to number three to draft a quarterback? All right. So, so here, so let's just in case you haven't heard me kind of talk about this part about it. But when I heard him the other day on the radio say, well, we were trying to get, we were, we were trying to get cheaper at the quarterback position. So we knew we wanted to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. We wanted to get cheaper at the quarterback position, but we knew we were keeping Jimmy Garoppolo for that year. That right there, like, you know, and it's like, well, you want to get cheaper at the quarterback position, but you did look into Matthew Stafford, but your buddy beat you to the punch. You did look into Deshaun Watson. You know, you did the day before the draft call for Aaron Rodgers. None of those options to me are cheaper than a younger guy. So right then that lets you know they are not all in on drafting and developing a guy. Like they potentially, okay, that's option four. Or five, really, because I just mentioned three quarterbacks. They also were going to play Jimmy Garoppolo that year. And then the guy you drafted. So we're talking about your fifth option was the quarterback that you were drafted. If your quarterback you're drafting is your fifth option for that season, why the hell would you use three first-round picks on that guy? Usually, if you're if you're going to move up for a guy, we are all in on this plan. Like, this is the plan. The plan is we're going to move up, we're going to draft this guy, and we're going to do everything to put that guy in the best situation so he could be successful long term. That was not necessarily their overall goal. They kind of wanted to have their cake and eat it too. And to me, and what I was talking about with Peacock, if you want to get cheaper at the quarterback position but you plan on having Jimmy Garoppolo, why do you force trading up? Why not sit there at 12 and see if a guy is falling or sliding in the draft. Do your dil- dil- diligence. Go work them out. Train them. See which guys you like. And then see, hey, who's here around 12? And if we have to move up two spots, okay, that might cost you a first. But what they gave up, and it kind of reminded me of like, I don't know when's the last time you've been on a road trip, right? But, uh, you know, me and my wife, we, we done, I don't know how many times we drove back and forth. across. Uh-huh. The uh, at some point, you'll need to get gas, right? And you can look at your gas tank and say, okay, we got 100 miles to empty. Okay, so we're just going to cruise. There's a gas station coming up in 40 miles. It's a Chevron. 
But those Chevrons in the middle of nowhere, they might charge you $8 a gallon. No lie. All right. But then if I go 30 more miles, like there's probably going to be a cheaper gas station than that eight, uh, $8, $8 a gallon Chevron. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to just stop at that Chevron if I don't have to and spend $8 a gallon and fill my tank up. Why would I do that when I can likely travel 30 more miles and find something cheaper or at least have the option to find something cheaper? And I feel like what the 49ers did was say, we're on this road trip. We still have gas in the tank, but we're going to stop and fill up on this $8 a gallon gas. And it's like, well, that makes no sense. Why wouldn't you just <laughs> wait a little bit longer and get something that's cheaper or at least potentially cheaper instead of just the first thing that's there that costs the most? And that's what they did when they didn't have to do it. If your plan was, hey, we're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo this year and we plan on starting him, he, it's going to be extremely difficult for any of these guys to beat out, which I agree with that. Then We agreed with it at the time, too. Right, right. For any of them. I don't care who – I mean, he had been there. He, We understand what he was in the locker room. You know, he he had won or, you know, went to a Super Bowl and, you know, everybody's behind him. They backed him. He's tough. They love the guy, right? So any quarterback, young quarterback, you put in that situation – there was likely going to be some issues, more issues than I think we knew of at the time. So now looking at how much everybody was behind them and all that, and again, I'm speaking more in hindsight, but looking at their process with that, it never made sense. And then outside of that, obviously you had the injuries and things like that, that kind of derailed Lance's time. But even then moving off of a guy that you spent so much capital on uh, to only have what, four starts. And again, part of his injury, part of it is, well, we really love what we got from Brock Purdy, so we're just moving on. And I think it's something that we've never seen before to that extent. <laughs> People have called him Jamarcus Russell. He's not even close to Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell actually got way more time <laughs> than him. Yeah, he showed you what he was. And, and and we're talking about a guy who just didn't study, didn't care or anything, and he still had more opportunity. Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast, is now sponsored by Prize Picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Testing my skills on prize picks this football season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. What I might like best, prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Now for me, that's easier said than done. I might stare at my picks for five minutes and question the meaning of life, but that's part of the fun. For the 49ers week one matchup against the Steelers, I picked tight end George Kittle to have more than 41 yards receiving because I expect his relationship with quarterback Brock Purdy to take another step forward. I also picked Purdy to throw more than .5 interceptions, which wouldn't surprise me in the slightest in a tough road matchup in Pittsburgh to open up the season against a respectable defense. Don't worry, I still think Purdy will play well. Lastly, I picked Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett to throw for less than 212 yards passing against a tough 49ers defense that just signed Nick Bosa to a record-breaking extension. You can also place projections on wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver Debo Samuel, running back Christian McCaffrey, and even punter Mitch Wishnowski. Go to prizepicks.com slash gold, G-O-L-D, and use code gold 
or a first deposit match of up to a hundred bucks. Just to repeat that, that's prizepicks.com slash gold, G-O-L-D. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. It's always more fun to be there for live 49ers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the 49ers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash 49ers. Yeah, yeah. You know what's... What's interesting about all that is is I agree with every everything you said. What a, and what I've focused on when I've always talked about this Trey Lance situation is I've always started when they drafted him. Like, you know, we we knew they weren't happy with how often Jimmy Garoppolo got injured. We knew they weren't happy with, you know, and the salary that they were going to have to pay him versus loading up the roster. And you know, we were on here live when they traded up to get or one when they traded up, we did a podcast that day. Yeah. Two we were on here live when they picked Trey Lance and and, and it was all good, but you know, and, and like you said, it is a little bit of a hindsight thing, but when you do go back and look at the process of how they got to that pick, maybe that is where it goes, goes wrong because I've always looked at it since that point. You know, like I never disagreed with sitting him behind Jimmy Garoppolo. That seems like if you have a quarterback that you think is going to be like your next 10 years, 15 years, then who gives a shit about his rookie year, man? You get to sit behind somebody like Garoppolo who's been behind Tom Brady and, you know, there's all I kinds of – I felt like he needed to play because – and this is why. I thought I always felt Jimmy Garoppolo was a good quarterback. Right. And Emphasis said, on the good, you know, good. Good, good quarterback. Good. If he does what he did before when he's like plays a healthy season, which was he went to the Super Bowl, that would be by far the worst thing for Trey Lance to try to follow that up. Like, there's already enough. Like, you only have one opportunity to be the. Uh, you only have one opportunity to be the like the six and ten forty ers right? Like that's what they were, and it was just, they were just depleted by injuries. You had injuries to Jimmy Garoppolo, you had injuries to you know Nick Mullins, you had injuries to Debo Samuel, you had injuries to George Kittle. Like they were right. just you had uh, uh, what's called Terry's ACL. Uh, um, you lost uh, Nick Bosa, you lost Solomon Thomas. You just you lost. Richard Sherman. I mean, everybody was hurt. Richard, uh, uh, Keller Witherspoon, you know? You're talking so, about the season that put them in position to have that yeah, draft pick. So you yeah, only yeah. have one opportunity like to have that bad type of year. So if you have Jimmy Garoppolo and everybody's healthy, you're going to win a lot of games. And I don't right. know for a young quarterback like Lance, and I said this back then, right? And I think by then, by this time I was on uh, Locked on 49ers, but I was saying it then. The worst thing for Lance would be the 49ers actually be good in that year because now it's for a guy that just needs reps that just needs to throw. And we saw that, like there were things that were, that could be a little erratic at times. I'm just like, I, I see him do some high level stuff. Then I do see him do some weird stuff and he just needs to play. And then fast forward a few years, I see him do some high level stuff. And I see him do some erratic stuff. I think he just needs to play. <laughs> well, he's just never right. going to get that opportunity for right. a team that's expectations are now, right? We're not that six and 10 team. We're actually a team that has gone to back-to-back championship games with you on the roster, but you not playing. 
we don't need. We so don't it's need almost it. like, uh, I mean, you can go take a step back even more and it's, it goes back again to the pre-draft process. Like, are you going to be willing to let this guy take control of a team that you don't feel like you can lose three games, four games, right. you know, and, and it's, if you are never going to be willing to take that step and, and it, I don't know, man, they eventually did. No, they didn't though. Well, no, he, the second season. No, they didn't. He, he was the guy. No, he was. And then he broke his ankle. No. Oh yeah. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go in on him and he's our starting quarterback, but we're keeping Jimmy Grapple around, throwing behind this building over here by himself. And by the <laughs> way, we're going to sign him. He was him. behind the building. <laughs> and by the way, we're going to sign him. And now he's going to be your backup. Like a guy that really had no, what did Jimmy Grapple do to be, to back up, to have to back up Trey Lance? Nothing, right? Like not what, what get, did not he get, do? Yeah, and, not get drafted did, third overall. What over did all. Trey Lance do to where, hey, you just get to play over Jimmy Garoppolo? Nothing. Get drafted third so, overall. Get drafted three overall. Yeah. So why are you keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on this team? Because you don't want to go through. Because you can't lose games with Jimmy Garoppolo behind Trey. You can't. If if, if if shoot, we heard it after the Bears game. Yeah, right. right playing in the well, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they can say that, but their actions are showing us something drastically different. They were hedging know, their man. bet. Like, and you I, cannot I, do that with these young quarterbacks. You can't hedge your bet. You have to play him, and you have to go, really be like, we are going to go through the ups and downs. And Kyle, because he's, you know, how he is, which he is a terrific coach, but he was never all in on developing him what it took. And, and, and maybe it just was a bad fit for Lance. Wh- whatever the case is, I don't know. But whatever Lance needed, and I know there's going to be people that listen to like, don't baby Lance. Like, he's a grown-up. Like, he made 30-something million dollars. These dudes, the money comes with playing the sport, but they're real people. They're competitive. Yeah, the sports. money is almost, like, secondary at don't this point. Don't think about the money. Like, you have like, to get there. <laughs> yeah, like, don't, don't think about the money. Like, it's the, mo- the money comes with, I'm in the NFL. I was drafted high. Like, I'm going to make that money. But that doesn't take the place of wanting an opportunity to play and improve and get better. Right. And, and win a championship. So it sucks for Trey that he got hurt. Uh, you know, I think that ultimately was the biggest issue. No, that was a big issue. The biggest issue was regardless of that, they were never all in on him from the jump, from the time they decided we're going to draft him and then calling Aaron Rodgers the night before the draft, um, to, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo playing that whole first year. They could say whatever they want. Oh, we were going to go with him at this time. Uh, you never wanted to go with him. Because if you did really want to go with him, when he started week 17, and because remember, they were saying, oh, after after the Arizona game, they were going to keep playing him, but he banged his knee up, right? Right. And then Jimmy Garoppolo played and whatever. Well, week 17, he started against the Texans. And he played very well. Completed 70% of his passes. Threw for 250, two tugs. He yeah, I was I was at that game. I thought I thought it was pretty good you, you know, for so what again, he was. There were some, you know, okay, some, okay, okay, this is not great. Whatever, there were things to build off of. If you truly were like, oh, yeah, well, he only didn't play because then you would have started him against the Rams that last game. If it was really all about, like, you know, oh, him being healthy and taking advantage of the opportunity. Well, he just won a, a must-win game. Right. And it wasn't perfect, but it was like it was steps in the right direction for sure. And instead, you elected to play 
Jimmy Garoppolo with his thumb and shoulder falling off. <laughs> so, like, that lets you know, again, whatever Trey needed, whether it was the, the playing time or the backing and that confidence in your staff, they did not give that to him because they did not like what they were seeing, but only because it just wasn't perfect from day one. Brock Purdy, that's a lot easier, right? Oh, man, he comes in. It looks good. It looks sharp. He's command. He's He knows how to command the huddle. He's a great leader. He prepares the right way. And all that, that's awesome. But it was like, yeah, he's like, you know, shoot, I was four-year starter at Iowa State. Like, I done been through all the ups and downs. Trey Lance has it. Right. So whatever Trey Lance needed, they weren't truly, truly, truly willing to give him. And it's unfortunate for him. Obviously, the 49ers have moved on, and they are in a good position. Matter of fact, I heard Kyle Shanahan just say, oh, we're in a better position. And uh, sex with Trey, but, you know, hey, I, I do have a lot of faith in Brock and, and what he is, and I think that um, he's going to do some really good things for the 49ers as well. So, uh, again, it just it's the way it played out with Lance is what bothers me, but not, not you know, okay, they moved on Brock Purdy. And it's like, it's not like it's like, oh, they got Brock Purdy. Like, oh, hell no, nah, man. I don't want Brock Purdy starting. Oh, I don't want, oh, man, they put their ball in his hands of this little shrimp quarterback or, you know, wingy <laughs> arm, whatever people be saying on social media. Like, nah, like, Brock Purdy, he's a baller. He's a baller. He's a gamer. So, to me, it was like, I never cared that they kept Jimmy because they tried to get rid of Jimmy. Like, they, you could have cut him. And maybe this is, if you want to get rid of him, you can cut him. Right, right. But hold on. Maybe this is, what they're encountering right now with Nick Bosa. Maybe they're a little, what do you want to call it? Stubborn, egotistical, maybe a better word, in the fact that I've got Jimmy Garoppolo. There's no way I'm going to let anybody give him for free. I'd rather keep him here and re-sign his contract and maybe risk whatever relationship they had with Trey just to be able to say that Jimmy Garoppolo was still on their roster. And they ended up cutting him anyways the next. Now, here's the thing, though. Is that there's I can see the downsides of keeping Jimmy G because if you're supposed to be on on Trey and you keep the guy that he replaced, you're never gonna no you're never gonna convince anybody you're all in. But well, hold on, real quick though. What if not they had? Keeping, hold on, you're not keeping the guy. You're, you're keeping the guy that you're that Trey did nothing to replace him. Right. Other like, than just be there. It. Right. You know. But I, if they don't keep Jimmy, and the same thing happens. What is la- what does that season look like? Does it not matter because at least they were still on in on all in on Trey and you know we get more CJ Beth or Nick Mullins type seasons, you know. At least they were truly all in. And again, in on Trey. It, it, that's not it, from the jump, you know. Playing Trey Lance year 1 if they would have done that would not have likely been the best thing for the team. The best thing for the team would have been to play Jimmy Garoppolo. But then you can go back to why draft the guy anyways then. But then you go back to their process. Right, right, right. Which, is, in my opinion, it was severely flawed in the sense of developing a quarterback. Like, trading up what they did, you know, spending that $8 a gallon at Chevron in the middle of nowhere when you didn't have to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because if, if it's me, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm not if, – if it's, well, we want to get cheaper, but we're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, then let me just see if one of these guys fall to me. And if I could draft them at 12 or trade up to 10, cool. And if they don't, then okay, I'll just, I don't know, take Micah Parsons, right? And maybe draft Damn. a quarterback mid-rounds or something. If I if it's, I just want to, and then maybe I could test my luck next year and see if there's a quarterback that I like that potentially falls to me, which, you know, it might have been Kenny Pickett, you know? 
which we're about to find out about that guy. I mean, he they looked, like him. He, they, yeah, I like. I mean, I like him. I like the. I think that he's going to be really good when he kind of just develops a little more of that confidence. You know, he seems like a guy that would have that moxie. You know, once he yeah. starts to feel himself, it'll start to it'll start to roll off the hand. I think a little bit, but. Yeah, Dan, it's crazy, dude. I mean, the other thing I kept thinking, too, is, okay, Trey Lance comes in, breaks his ankle, Jimmy finishes out that season, he gets hurt. Like, that's, I mean, of course he does. You know, we we know that is right. just kind of what happens. And then to land, to just magically have Brock Purdy fall out of the, the sky. I mean, they drafted him. They had to have scouted him. But to have him fall out of the sky and land in your lap, like, if Brock Purdy's not here, is Trey Lance still the starting quarterback? And they're just, you know. I think that they would, again, and this is just me guessing, I think Trey would have gone into the offseason as a starter, but they would have brought somebody in for potentially insurance, like a Sam Darnold. Like a Sam Darnold. And then he gets beat out for the starting job by Sam Darnold. Uh, I don't know if he – the tough thing is trying to gauge the you know the practices that I went to and what it looked like, right? And or even preseason, right? But more so like the practices. When Trey was practicing, like it looked good, more more times than not. Like it looked, you know, I went to prior year practices. This is the best version of Trey Lance I've seen. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And weird how that happens. Right. It, it looked like the best version. Now, you know, we got to see Trey and Sam with reserves. And I don't think on a consistent basis, I don't think that Sam looked better than Trey. No, he I didn't. think there were moments where I'm like, oh, OK, like, man, I don't know. Like Sam is he's consistent. He's making these throws. And then it started to be like, uh, and then Trey started to go, ooh, try to start going. <laughs> right. Uh, now, once they got in the game, it was like, oh, no, like Trey's. Lows are ugly. Now his the other stuff he does like that's cool. You know he's completing passes, he throws some good, but man, the, the lows are just too low. As opposed to, which instantly makes Sam. me think about JT O'Sullivan's little video where he's like, like when he's like looking at that rep, he's like, this is the shit that scares me. Like, right. nobody in the NFL should be throwing that. But you right. know that's you can we can talk all day about that. Right. So that's the and I and. You know, I was watching that. I'm like, uh, Kyle's going to go with Sam Darnold as QB2. Now, let's say Trey this whole time is working with the ones. And, you know, that's different. What The biggest difference in the NFL between, like, starters and backups, right, typically is, like, execution. Starters execute at a higher level. Uh, they understand things, especially guys that have just been in the offense. They know more, more what to expect, how to do it. Uh, as opposed to guys that either aren't or aren't a starting caliber player. So if you're telling me this whole time, this whole offseason, Trey is the starter and potentially you got Sam Donald that is maybe there's a competition, but not a competition, but Trey's working with the ones, it should look better with the ones just in the, from the standpoint of the players are just more consistent. Oh, they yeah. Practice, yeah, like, yeah. Just with their pass protection, uh, guys running the right routes, uh, guys being on the same page with the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, the plays that they make, right? You just see it at a higher level with guys that are starters. You get into the preseason game, um, same thing, where, you know, that first game against the Raiders, you know, Trey having to play with, I don't know what trash offensive line that was in there, but it wasn't a good one, right? But like, okay, hey, make it work. You're, you're in with this group. 
as opposed to being able to sit that out and then play with the starters and bootleg and throw a drag behind the line of scrimmage to Debo Samuel. He takes it 20 yards. Throw a screen to Debo Samuel. He takes it 15 yards. Hit a wide open Brandon Ayuk on a slant, right? You just see a better, a higher level of execution consistently, and it's just a clearer picture, especially for a young quarterback that's still developing. So would it have looked different if Trey came into camp as a starter? There was never any Brock around, and – Sam Darnold was QB too. I, I think there's a chance where we see a better version and the version of Lance that we're more comfortable with because that's what I saw more times than I in practice. Well, that, yeah, and I think you have a good point because if what we were seeing from Lance was the best you and I have ever seen him, and we'd seen him practice every year he's been there, and then he's you know he's already putting the best version of himself on display, and then he's doing then he would have the opportunity to do that with starters, and you're like, okay, that uh, that looks pretty good. Now we'll never know. Obviously, he's over there wearing that blue and, and silver shit, you know, but um, it's a crazy story, man. Like I've sat here on this pod and just <laughs> rolled on to myself for like half an hour, just like going back and forth about, damn, they did this, but then they should have done that. But then this ended up happening. Should they have never done that? And then would this amount, you know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy it's, scenario that I don't know if we'll see anything quite like that. Again, not not we'll see things that might be kind of close or similar, but then we'll be like, oh, we'll always be like, well, no, because remember this part about it, right? Like that's what makes <laughs> right, it so right. much different. And I think it's gonna always be that. Just the way they handled everything with Jimmy Garoppolo, you heard him on on an interview, and he's like, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, what do you think? like there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. And I yeah, think that's it how was the quarterbacks. Like, like now the players, they probably they don't care, right? Like the other guys, but the quarterbacks, they're probably like. That was, but I think early on the players were probably a huge part of it because they had gone through so much with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, and again, maybe that goes back to the scouting, knowing your team, knowing your locker room. Like, how do you just sell a team on a brand new quarterback that hasn't played a lot of football? And you have this locker room that's like, uh, we want to win the fucking Super Bowl, like now. And, and then you're like, here's this brand new quarterback, but he's going to sit behind the quarterback, you know, and then he's going to take his job for no reason other than being drafted third overall. You know what I mean? Like that's when you can see from a locker room perspective. Right. It's a delicate dance. You're like, what is going on here? I mean, I guess if you still win, no one's going to give a shit, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Look at what the uh, Raiders are doing right now, right? Like, okay, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, and Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't built up any like big equity into that team, but it's like, okay, this is our starting quarterback. Well, they also went and drafted Aiden O'Connell. And they drafted him like fourth round. So it was like, no harm, no foul, done. But Aiden O'Connell comes in and he plays well. Yeah. Right? Like he's playing real well. well. Like he, and, and I, I was on, um, I did a show with my guys, the Blackout crew, their Raider, uh, Raider podcast. And we did that at the Blue Wire studio, amazing studio. And uh, they were talking about Aiden O'Connell before the game. Like, hey, this is Aiden O'Connell. Like, He's good. Like, and that's what that's more of if you're a team that's like, we want to win, so we're gonna go, like we're gonna we and we have this veteran, we got Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, like let's draft a guy fourth round. Like let, and let's just see. And right now, I bet you there's Raider fans, the moment things get a little weird with Jimmy G, it's like, why aren't we playing Aiden O'Connell? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that would have been the more the more uh, I don't want to say the right way to do it, but the the thing you would see more times than not 
Like you definitely see what they did before you see anybody try to replicate what the 49ers actually did. Yeah, it's madness. So before let's get up, we'll get off quarterbacks in a sec. What do you uh what do you expect from Brock Purdy, man? What are your expectations? What do you think you're gonna get? What do you expect? Like what's your I don't know, man, what's your bar? Like what do you want from him? What do you think you're gonna get from him? I would like to see Brock uh take care of the ball, first and foremost. I thought last season, you know, he put the ball in harm's way a decent amount. I thought he did some things very well, right? Like just his ability to, um, you know, distribute the ball the way that he did. Uh, you know, um, I thought when there was a play to be made and the guy was open, I thought he did a good job of, of finding that guy. Um, I did see some limitations with just uh, his ability to just, you know, make certain throws that maybe aren't as ideal for him. But, uh, you know, that's fine. Like, just do what you do well. I think within that, he put the ball in harm's way, and I wanted to see him improve on that. I don't think that the training camp gave me any more confidence that he's going to be good at taking care of the ball. I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, he's trying different things. He's trying to fit the ball in certain areas. And it's like, I don't know. Because I saw some of those picks, and it didn't look like somebody just trying something. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, But I just tie that to – well, there were a lot of opportunities for turnovers last year, and guys dropped the ball. Now, that's on them. And I never knocked him. I never said, well, if this guy catches this pick, you lose this game. Like, no. Like, he dropped it. So, you win the game. But the actual throw and play did happen from the standpoint of something I would like to see him improve on. So, um, it was a little worrisome. Still kind of continuing a trend to put the ball in harm's way in practice. I would like to see in the regular season does that come to a halt? Because if guys do start to capitalize on that, I think that can change the trajectory of a game, especially a game in Pittsburgh when you don't have, potentially don't have a Nick Bosa. Uh, you know, how good is the defense? you got a new defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, what is the defense going to look like? Can you count on the t- defense doing what they did last year down the stretch, which was be the number one defense in the league, take the ball away, two times as much as they did the first half of the season and take the ball away more than anybody else in the league during that stretch. Like, can you continue to count on that to where things are a little bit more to an advantage for you, Brett Purdy, a young quarterback that is developing things like that. So I say all that to say my expectations are that we see a tick lower. What does a tick lower look like for a guy that might not have immense talent throwing the ball? Uh, he clearly has immense weapons, and if he can continue to feed the ball to those guys, then maybe that can kind of soften soften some of the uh, ups and downs that young quarterbacks just typically happen uh, to go through. Right. Yeah. And with me, it's like cause you saw a little bit of both, man. You saw him. You know, you saw him put the ball in some spots. You also saw. I mean that. That I'm sure you're gonna know instantly what I'm talking about. That play to Ayuk in the corner of the end zone, where Amazing. like he just he just like that was one of the sweetest plays we've seen from a 49ers quarterback in I don't know, man. Colin Kaepernick did some sweet shit like that. Um, I it, mean, it would have to be even to that like was like Kaepernick that run against the Chargers where it was like 90. Two yards or whatever. Yeah, I was, was. Yeah, I was there for like that. Where one. it was just like, wow, that was an amazing play. Like just outran everybody. Like made a guy, made Eric Weddle miss. Outran the rest of the defense all the way to the end zone. Like wow, that was a great play, Cap. And then like it would have to be up with something like that. That was kind of like shocking. Uh, 
even though I don't know if it's shocking to see Kaepernick just outrun everyone. Well, I mean, I like that throw that Kaepernick did in Seattle to Anquan Bolden, where he rolls out to the right, jumps up, throws the ball, and it's just right over Earl right. Thomas. And he's like, you know, like, it was like that shit. And he hit Brandon Ayuk right in the hands. And then Ayuk was still kind of, you know, dancing on the sideline, getting his two feet down. And so I, I, I knew when he dropped it, I knew why he dropped it. Because yeah. his, hand, his mind wasn't with his hands, it was with his feet. And then... He, he yeah. couldn't get it around in time, but it's a concentration thing. Yeah. Right. 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 And yeah, that's the biggest thing, like, especially like that. Right. Cause there was a defender kind of near, uh, you know, you see the, and that's the next thing for Brandon Ayuk, right? Like just taking that next step to becoming an elite receiver, but the elite receivers make that look routine where there is a lot that goes into it. Uh, you know, being aware of the sideline, where you're at, trying to keep your feet in bounds. Where's the defender at? Uh, do I let the ball come into my hands or, I mean, my body, or do I reach out and try to catch it with my hands? You know, just all those different things that might go through try, through your mind trying to catch, make a sideline catch like that. Right. Uh, you know, on a broken play, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, like they, they make that look routine. Yep. You know, Brandon Ayuk, just so far from what he's shown us, with trying to make those kind of plays, he's not there yet. And there were op- there were opportunities. I know everybody's expecting a really big year out of Brandon Ayuk. Last year, he had opportunities to kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm here. Like, I'm really turning that page. And I thought more times than not on the tough, like the tough plays, like that playing uh, against Seattle. Or there was um, a play on the sideline against the – uh, Carolina Panthers, where I thought Jimmy Garoppolo put it in a great location, and it was tough. It was going to be a tough catch, but like, you got to make that catch. You got to come down with that, and it's like, well, he didn't, you know? So like, okay, he, he just hasn't turned that page yet. Hopefully, this year we see him start to make those plays, and then we'll start talking about him being potentially, you know, a top ten, top fifteen receiver in this league. Right. See, I mean, same Brock Purdy. I, 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 I mean, I, it's easy to say. I just want to see more of what you did last year. I mean, that's easy. He came in and was like, good. He was good. He, you know, and there were things that that slipped through the cracks that people forget about. But you also started to see those things. Like he likes to roll to his left a lot, and that's going to be the, something the NFL crushes instantly. You know, like in week one, they are going to be trying to get him to roll to his left because he did it like, you know, most of the time last season and you know you've got to crush that because they had already it seemed by the end of the season they were already sniffing up on that and he would try and roll to his left and there'd be a defender right there you know already closing the gap and stuff and that's when he did i think that's when he did the the throwaway where he did a 360 and then threw it out of bounds yeah you know what i'm talking about so it's like there's things but you know again are people going to be patient with this he's going to have the same lumps that Trey Lance was going to have or showed or whatever. Are people um, going to be patient be enough with those things? Though, you know, it might be different. Like the lumps that they would take, you know. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I just mean they're going to happen. So yeah. how are people going to react to those? I think they will understand that, you know, he's a young quarterback. I mean, it's true. I mean, think about it. This is the same team that paid, made Jimmy Grappolo the highest paid player in NFL history after five starts for the team, right? And you come back that next year where it's like, man, he had a full offseason. Oh, man, he's going to be amazing now, right? Like, he's the guy. Then he comes out and he's like, oh, no, I'm actually going to throw three interceptions against Minnesota. We're going to lose. Minnesota. Uh, we're going to damn near lose the game against Detroit because I throw a pick, uh, you know, towards the end of the game, but it gets called back. And then, and then we get clobbered in Kansas City, right? So – 
there is like, like that. Like it could be, you know, because I think we just assume, oh, the more you play with Kyle Shanahan, the better you're going to get. But so far what we've seen is the more you play with Kyle Shanahan, there is kind of this sometimes this where you kind of come back down to earth a little bit. And maybe it just takes like a full kind of like 16 games to kind of start to hit your stride with him. We saw that with Matt Ryan. He had some ups and downs that year. Then the next year, obviously, like, you know, he he got on the same page with Kyle. Uh, you know, but other guys, RG3, terrific as a rookie, run rookie of the year, got hurt, you know, with the knee. Was never the same for Kyle after that. Uh, again, Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you think about it, even outside of his first eight games, because, again, you know, the first five he won – the next three, he got injured in the third. But then after that, um, the first half of 2019, the Super Bowl year, you know, the offense wasn't clicking like that. You know, he threw a pick six in that first game against Tampa Bay. That the defense bailed him out with two pick sixes by uh, Kelly Witherspoon and Richard Sherman. Uh, there were a lot of ups and downs from just like a pure quarterback perspective. But then he started to get better. Like once he hit kind of like that 16 game mark, it was like boom, he started to kind of like get better, more comfortable in what Kyle was asking him to do. So I wonder if that's what it is for Brock, where now you have expectations, right? Like last year, even though the team was good, but there there were no expectations on. No, Brock. everything was a bonus. Yeah, everything was a bonus. So now you have the expectations. You have the expectations from your coach. Um, because you have more expectations from him, like, remember, he could go out there last year and it's just like, all right, like, like you know, just keep the, keep the boat steady. Like, that's probably what Kyle was thinking. Now it's, you have to go out there and you're going to now, the expectation is to do what I need you to do at a high level. I think that's a different level of you know, what he's putting on his young quarterback. And I feel like every time we've seen him do that, you see guys kind of initially take a slightly step back uh, before potentially uh, improving and get a little bit better. Well, yeah, because there's a massive difference between the leash of a guy that comes in as a third-string quarterback and it's playing at a pretty high level, and you're still winning games convincingly to, okay, now you are the guy. You've had an entire offseason. You've known you're the guy, and now I'm going to expect you to behave like a starter on every down. Right. You know, And it, and, and there's and there's going to be pissed off Kyle Shanahan. You know, it, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Brock is made up of the right stuff. Uh, for him, it's more so the, you know, what can't he control, right? Uh, you know, he just is never going to have, like, the biggest arm or be able to throw with the most velocity, uh, you know? So, like, is that going to be something that potentially gets him in trouble? Trying to make us a, a far half sideline throw. Uh, yep. and, and But he can't get all his feet underneath him to make that throw. Does the ball sail a little bit more than it would with a guy with a bigger arm? Uh, you know, there was a throw against the Raiders that got picked off where it was that big play action, and I think he had a tight end. I think it was George Kittle kind of streaking through the middle of the field, and he just – he didn't throw it far enough, <laughs> you know. He didn't throw it. He needed to throw that ball about seven yards further. Than That's the one he, he threw off his back foot, like he he had a he, like he had a cannon, but he didn't have a cannon. Cor- correct, right? So the ball lost yeah. it in the air, and the Raiders was like, "Oh, thank you." He picked it off, right? Uh, yeah. He did some of those against, I think it was Miami Dolphins, where he like ran, scrambled to the right, then threw across his body, and the Dolphins just like two guys went for it, and they ended up like dropping it. So those are the things he's going to have to figure out. Like, you know what? I don't have a Josh Allen arm. And this is this is the NFL. Hashes are smaller. Like, it's not like college, right? Like college, you got to think about it. They got super wide hashes. So even if you are to the far hash, 
there's a lot more space spacing with just your receivers, especially in the Big 12. They don't play a lot of defense. So he was kind of really more used to that uh, with things that he could potentially get away with. NFL, you can't get away quite with those things. So as long as he just stays true to what he does well, which is consistently hit those uh, short to intermediate throws and then, you know, occasionally hit a play that Kyle dials up, a la really kind of the Jimmy Garoppolo game plan, I think he'd be fine. Make a play here and there, I think he does that better than Jimmy. But uh, in the sense of where I feel like he wins throwing the ball, it's more like Jimmy. So don't try to be something more than that than what you're really kind of capable of being. You know, it's funny that you say like Jimmy because I just recently, I don't know what made it pop up on my Twitter, but it was a a tweet I'd posted. I can't even remember what game it's from, but Brock Purdy has a free rusher right in his face and he just quickly sidearms it around him and hits like a, I think it might've been Debo, whoever coming over the middle. And you know, it's just a quick little sidearm and you're like, and I mean, he did that same shit rolling out and I think he threw it to Christian McCaffrey, you know, where he rolled out to his left and then just at the last second, just kind of, and you're like, that's the shit we used to see from Jimmy every now and then. Like it wasn't all the time, but every now and then he'd do something like that. You're just like, damn. And I think if Brock Purdy's gonna, if he's going to continue to exceed, it's like you said, it's not going to be because of his arm. It's it's going to be because he's got that. And you said it when you started talking. He's made of the right stuff. Like he's got that little bit of a scramble ability. He can he can create some space. And it's how fast does he think? How fast does he think on his feet? Can he? You know, if he's going to make that far hash throw, it's got to be something where he's throwing at the guy before he's out of his break. You know, we saw JT O'Sullivan. It was preseason, but we saw JT O'Sullivan talking about it. He had Brandon Ayuk on that. Like little hitch route, comeback route, yeah, whatever you want to call the timing it. Timing of it, yeah. It, that's his thing. If he's going to overcome the fact that his arm isn't that strong, then it's always going to be about timing. And like, can he stay one step ahead of the defense? Is he that mentally, you know, because those are the best quarterbacks, the ones that like know what the defense is going to do before they do it type stuff. I don't know if that's his, that's how good he gets. But if he's going to be good, it's going to be because of that. So it, it feels like he's headed that, like, that's the direction he's headed in. And if so, then, you know, again, he'll he'll be a good quarterback for the 49ers. Right. I mean, you saw um, – okay, what's the receiver? No, hold on. Hold on. I could do this. I always just forget names all the time. Uh, the one that compared him to Drew Brees. Or Willie Sneed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it's a comparison, whatever, who gives a shit. It doesn't mean anything. But it's like – if I think that that would obviously be his ceiling. Like, if he could have any type of – even Drew Brees seemed like he had a bigger arm, though. You know than than what we could expect from Brock Purdy, but you got a lot of fans. I think we have to talk about like what does it mean to have a big arm or a bigger arm or whatever. And the reason why Brock Purdy was a seventh round pick and Drew Brees was a second round pick, I believe. Matter of fact, I want to say Drew Brees was like the thirty second pick in the draft, like a like a Derek Carr type pick, you know, yeah, like right like, at well, the top of the second. It, it was like the thirty second pick. Like somebody either lost a first round pick or there was something that happened there. So he was like the thirty second overall pick, but he was still a second round pick. Didn't the Chargers take him? Wasn't he a char- wasn't he, yeah, wasn't he drafted but, by the Chargers? Hold on. And then they 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 got hit they got rid of him really quick. Something they, they weird like that. Him. No, he he played like three years there. But when was he drafted? Hold on. Is it was is something really weird about it? How it how it kind of played out. Here's his Wikipedia. So Bro, you added yeah, an, see, you added an L in there. A wik a Wikipedia, Wikipedia. I never knew that there was not an L. That's crazy. All right, so hey, Wikipedia. I got you. Uh, yeah, round two, pick thirty-two overall. So somebody yeah. must have lost like a first-round pick. 
Yeah, because that's a first round pick. Uh, in so, this day and age. Right. So you you Drew Brees, the reason why he was a 32nd overall pick and Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft, it's typically that that arm, right? So whatever they were seeing from Drew Brees, like the arm was just better. Like the just the way it came out of his hands, the throws he was able to make. The reason why Brock Purdy, a guy who started three and a half years at Iowa State. With all the film, and he, you know, he did a lot of winning. He had some really good years. Sophomore year was like great, right? Did well, he, yeah, that's when he started to get a little bit of a love in the draft. Right. You know, like there were people that talked about him at one point as like you know one of the top quarterbacks, right. and then that kind of fizzled. Right, but you know, there's a reason why he went as low as he did. Again, he's it's just the things that you can't fix, which typically is the arm. Now his uh, trainer fixed it as much as he could. They added a little bit of RPMs to uh, his throws. But there's still it's still like a slightly kind of that very, very average arm to almost below average. And that's not to say that he can't make a throw with velocity. I think there'll be people that listen and be like, well, they'll tag me in it. What about this throw, Croc? And it's like, well, <laughs> he is an NFL quarterback. I mean, you could see me, I can rip off some throws that might look good, but I don't have a NFL arm where like you're you know, talking about below average for NFL standards. Like it's correct. not what these guys are slinging it. Yeah, right. So there's still throws that he's going to be able to make, and there's throws he and plays he made at Iowa State. But when you talk about just his arm strength, right, and why is that more or less important? It's the, and I always like to say, you you don't need speed until you need speed. Like you don't need to be fast until you need to be fast, right? When when uh, Kelly was racing down the sideline for the Chargers and nobody caught him. It's like, you need Diamondo Lenore to actually be fast on this play. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, you don't need arm strength until you until need Until you need arm, arm strength. strength. And it's like, oh, he didn't get enough on that. Well, yeah, you know. So you don't need a bazooka. You don't, you don't have to be Josh Allen. You don't have to be Patrick Mahomes. But there is kind of this baseline that you typically need to be. And if not, then just how can you win? And we saw... Uh, and I don't want to say his last year because Peyton Manning's last year was just so terrible. But even the year before that, you there was a decline in his arm. And I think Brock's arm is better than that. But if you watched how Peyton Manning won, and I say won, I just mean like won the rep. It was throwing with anticipation, uh, understanding timing to the maximum ability, and being able to just kind of put the ball out there. Let's say he had to make a throw that was 35 yards down the field. He'd say hike and then throw it right now. So by the time the receiver yep, got yep, there, yep. you know, yeah, right. it, it was like perfect timing. So and if coach is calling like a five-step drop, he's like, I'm gonna probably take a four-step drop and yeah. then just let this go. Because go. I don't got I don't got a time. My arm doesn't have time for that five-step drop. And he, that's he that's how Brock Purdy's gonna have to win, man. It's gonna have to be, you know, with timing. It's it's not gonna be because he can just sling it through a, a, a gap and before defenders can close on it. It's it's going to be with his, clear, with his brain. Rob, that there's nothing wrong with that, right? Because there might be people that hear, you know, oh, you know, we're kind of talking about his arm strength or lack thereof. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. Like, if you don't have a big arm, okay, just win this way. You just can't. There's just certain things that you probably should not do. Right. But, you, I mean, all the throws, you know, if he's making throws on the move or if guys are wide open and he doesn't have to, like, drill it in there or put it on the line, like, you know, or if it has to be on the line but it's more of, like, you know – 10 to 20 yards, like, yeah, he can he can do that. But there's going to be a throw that 
like you just might watch Josh Allen make and just know Brock Purdy probably just won't attempt that. And if he does, it won't look the same. It might get picked off, you know, like, but as long as Brock doesn't attempt that, that throw, then he's fine. And there's probably a part of Kyle Shanahan that's going to be like, I'm not ask, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Trust right. me, I'm I'm aware of what you can do. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But if you don't do this, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's going to give it to him, but it's it's up to Brock Purdy to take it. So, hey, what's your? Uh, I mean, I don't. You know, obviously we're getting up in time. I don't really give a shit. It's episode 300. You know, it's been 100 episodes since you've been on here. Um, <laughs> and you already told me you only have to podcast for two hours tomorrow. So I don't really care, man. I'm going to let that burrito behind you get cold, bro. Yeah, um, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it's right it there. It already is. <laughs> uh, I mean, what's your? We'll move on. What's your? Uh, what's your thoughts on Nick Bosa, bro? Is that where you at on that? You know, I think it's tough. Uh, you know, I think he means a lot to this team. He means a lot to this defense. Like, I, I think the defense is is drastically different if he's not out there. Like, I'm not nearly as confident in what this defense is. And I think, as far as him being like defensive player of the year, he's defensive player of the year. He's team player of the year. Because of I feel like how impactful he is and how much he means to this defense. Like if you take him away, it starts to look a little more on the pedestrian side, right? Yeah, I For, was in my mind when you said that. I was thinking without Nick Bosa, I think this defense goes from top five, top three to top twenty. I mean, you, you know, know what I mean? We'll, like, we'll, we'll say fifteen, right? Because I mean, they still right. got guys, but how good are these guys without Nick Bosa? With, how good without is that Talanoa Hufunga without? Nick Bosa, you know, Fred Warner's always yeah. going to be good. So I'm not talking about him. And I think Drake Greenlaw as well. But some of the other guys, especially on the back end, uh, the 49ers don't have top tier athletes back there. You know, so they play a scheme and I think they play a scheme very well. And I think a lot of that scheme is predicated on Nick Bosa getting to the quarterback as well. Kind of speeding up the clock. Ball has to come out, do your job, you know, write down, make tackles, make some plays on the ball. Uh, you could be a little bit more aggressive in coverage. When you don't have Nick Bosa, and now you have to rely on in Hargraves, you know, in Armstead, like that's cool inside, but okay, we're going to double you because we'll just make Cleveland Farrell and Drake Jackson, Drake Jackson have to, you know, beat us. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it starts <laughs> to look kind of scary. They need to bring back Cassius Marsh, bro. <laughs> I want to see that that windmill kick one more time. But, <laughs> You know, it, it is. It's a it's a little scary uh, with the situation that he's going through, and I'm not big on knowing, you know, exactly the ramifications of signing Nick Bosa to a certain or specific contract where somebody else that understands cap might understand more. But I did see this, and I need to bring this up right now. Uh, let me look at this real quick. It's in my – I actually bookmarked it, and I'll kind of read it off to you so you can kind of hear this. All right, but here we go. Did I unbookmark it? Oh, no. Oh, I unbookmarked it somehow. Or the tweet was deleted. Either way, it was a list of all the guys that the 49ers have to have, have to sign or their, their cap or the, over the next two years. And it's really kind of astonishing to look at how much money these guys are getting paid. It's like Debo Samuel next year, cap hit $28 million. Uh, Christian McCaffrey over the next two years, cap hit like $30 million. Um, 
Armstead, like his cap hit. Armstead's crazy. got a huge number. Trent Williams has got a huge number, but he probably should have a huge number. And you know, like, uh, yeah, there's a few. There's a few huge numbers. I mean, yeah, no, there's. I mean, there, there's a lot of huge numbers. So you look at that. I don't know. I don't know what Nick Bosa's impact, like signing. I don't know how that impacts the other guys or what their impact has on him. Kyle Shanahan or or John Lynch went up there and said that, hey, we budgeted for Nick Bosa. Like we're ready for it. Clearly you're not, because the motherfucker's still not signed. So, <laughs> right. uh, you know, they said they, they budget budget in a certain way, but yeah, you start looking at these cap hits, and it does kind of look crazy. And you know that down the line, there's going to be a casualty with one of these guys. But so I don't. When I don't they know. budgeted for Nick Bosa, they budgeted at twenty nine million dollars a year and one hundred and twenty total million just to out outpace TJ Watt. And now they're they're realizing that the Nick Bosa budget is. Uh, about five million more dollars a year because he wants more than Aaron Donald. And dude, I don't blame him for wanting more than Aaron Donald. We see how quickly these contracts become outdated, irrelevant. Like he wants to be the highest paid defensive player of the year, and he is the best defensive player in the league, according to the NFL last year. Like, and and, and again, it's going to get outdated. And the 49ers have backed themselves into a corner. I think. Um, I can't remember who I saw this on Twitter for. I think I think it was Dave Lombardi. He, he basically put out some real quick math saying if Nick Bosa's cap number is $17 million a year next year, kind of what they would probably finagle within that contract, not what he's getting paid, but what his contract num- cap number is, they would still be $40 million over the salary cap. Wow. You know, and, and with 41 players signed, that's still needing 12 other players to fit in. You know how they only take the top 51? You know, when it when it comes to the salary cap, so they're in a tough spot. But I mean, it's not to me. It goes back to your point. Like, what were you expecting right now? So, so I I pulled up the tweet. All right, so here it goes. It says Christian McCaffrey's backloaded money kicks in next year. Uh, He has a twenty eight million dollar cap hit through two thousand twenty five. So essentially, in the years of two thousand twenty four and two thousand twenty five. McCaffrey's cap hit $28 million. That's not nothing, right? Debo Samuel's hit is $28 million this year. Uh, George Kittle, $48 million through 2025. So obviously that's over the next few years, $48 million for, just for Kittle. Trent Williams, he has four years, $120 million remaining. Armstead, two years, $50 million. And then you also have signed Fred Warner, Hargraves, uh, Travis Ward, they all have big deals. And then it says, can San Francisco pay Nick Bosa? But they're going to have to figure it out because they told us that they budgeted for it. So I'm on over the cap. And maybe whoever whoever you're quoting, it, I don't know. They have different numbers. Christian McCaffrey is 2024. This says $14 million. 2025, this says $14 million. So yeah, maybe. That's right. Yeah, that's what he said. He said $28 million over the. Uh, oh, over two years. Okay. Yeah. I thought he was saying in a single. Well, I mean, fuck. What do you I mean, if if fourteen million dollars going to what might be the best running back in the NFL, at least one of the best playmakers in the NFL? Like that's yeah, I don't know why you're gonna complain about that. You know I don't think I mean? it's like, complaining. It's just where's the where are they gonna what are they gonna do? Right. No, they're gonna lose some players. I think they're probably gonna find they're gonna find a way to sign Nick Bosa. But then next year you're gonna be like, eh, eh, you know, is Eric Armstead going away? Maybe. You know, you've got there's gonna be guys that are making a lot of money. That have to go away. Uh, you can't just restructure your way into football heaven over and over and over and over. You know, it's like eventually good players are going to have to go away. Brandon Ayuk is he going to be on the team 
next well, year? That was the next tweet where someone said, uh, I don't know how they're <clears throat> I don't know how they are signing Ayuk. And then uh Dave Klug responded saying they probably aren't. <laughs> well, I mean it's you could sign Ayuk, but are you ready to let go of Debo? You know, like these are the decisions they're gonna have to make. Does Christian McCaffrey make Debo Samuel less valuable? Would you rather have you know what I mean? These are it's the reality of where they're at now. And that's the what the, I, a lot of people would say the beauty of the NFL is like, you don't get to keep all these guys. They're going to go be on other teams and you get to keep them for a little bit. And that's why everybody's talking about a Super Bowl window. Like, well, what really ruined them was, you know, you, you paid $8 a gallon at the Chevron. You <laughs> you're to supposed get. to bring in these first round picks that are cheap to bring in. And even then, you know, what's funny too is the 49ers gave up, First round picks to get Trey Lance, and they've sucked ass at drafting in the first round, yeah. anyways. You know what I mean? That doesn't well, they're, excuse they're like 50%, them. Fifty percent though. So let's say, okay, you got three. Can you can you just do well on two out of three of those? <laughs> can you do something? But you know, but it's crazy how the NFL works, man. Remember when they first their first draft? It was Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster, and everybody yeah. was like, "Dude, holy shit, man! This is John, this is John Lynch." Okay. And then, man, shit changes quick. Yeah, it does. It, it, so, by the way, I never liked the Solomon Thomas pick. I did love the Ruben Foster pick, though. No, no, never, never, never. I, I mean, you can go back. It's on Niners Wire. What I would have done, I did a little article. What I would do, Christian McCaffrey. I would. I didn't care. Third overall, give me Christian McCaffrey. And uh, so, you well, know, you know what I would have done. What? And you can look at the. You can go back. You can actually find them on. Twitter. Got the receipts. I would have drafted Patrick Mahomes. No third overall. Yeah, well, it's weird because at the time he wasn't being talked up like that. No, so no, he was at, being at talked first, to like a late first. At first, I thought you might be able to get him at thirty second. So I was like, they need to draft Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and then once the first round talk, it was it was tough because it was clear at that point that the 49ers weren't going quarterback. So I kind of like had that out of my mind. Right, but. Tell me about uh tell me about the 49ers cornerbacks. It would be an absolute travesty to have you on here and we not talk about cornerback. How do you feel about that group, man? I think it's kind of a I feels think, like an underrated group right now. Like they they could be good. I think based on how they have acquired the guys, they've done well. You know, it's not like guys that you put a whole lot of resources into outside of Traverse Ward. Now, I'm curious to see if they just say, you know what, Traverse Ward? You know, your 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 turner run isn't great from off coverage. So we're actually like this year we want to play you more at the line of scrimmage. We want to let you be physical with guys. And you know, week one, you're gonna go and you just follow George Pickens around. Whether you're a man or a zone, like he's a good matchup for you. We we like that matchup. You just got to compete at the catch point. But outside of that, like he's not gonna be able to do anything to shake loose. I don't necessarily want you on Deontay Johnson. And I think that's the difference between the four nine corners. I think they are very matchup specific in the sense of like you wanting the best version of them, as opposed to a guy that you draft high who might be more scheme versatile. So right. they have a lot of when, guys. That are win very, in any scenario type of guy. Yeah, they they have a lot of guys that I feel like are more specific with their usage, which typically is the case when you're drafting guys, you know, mid rounds, mid to late rounds. If you were putting if you if if you were getting to plug the 49ers cornerbacks in where you wanted them, obviously we know Charvarius Ward is out there. What do you who are you putting elsewhere? Oh yeah, uh, you know, I, I I mean I like a lot of what they did. I can see it. I, I think I'm I'm a little higher maybe on like Samuel Womack 
And I think for him, it's just kind of like getting in that groove. But, you know, they have right now, it looks like Ambry Thomas potentially being like that starting outside guy and with Lenore in this slot and Therese Ward. Uh, I figure out a way to have Womack out there more on the outside and just, I mean, he triggers very quick. I, I was watching some of his film. I was man. watching your live when you were talking about his feet. Oh, man. He has terrific feet. He's able to get in and out. I mean, quick, right? Like effortless where when he's thinking something, his feet just react. And I think like that's kind of like special. And it's not a lot of guys. Not everybody has that. And he, he definitely does. So now it's like, all right, do I have to play things as loose as maybe another guy? I, you know, typically we tell guys don't line up in that gray area. You know, you're either up or you're pressed. You're 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 up pressed or you're playing way back off. Uh, he's a guy, in my opinion, where he can kind of line up in that gray area because his feet react so well. So you know, for him, it's like, man, challenge yourself a little more, man. I think you're gonna start breaking up passes like you did at the collegiate level. All right, before we go, what? Give me your thoughts on the on everything that comes to mind with the Steelers. What do you expect? I mean, we'll talk about it right now like they have Nick Bosa. Like, I mean, even if they do re-sign him before the game, it, it, how many snaps he's going to play? Maybe right. 50%, you know? But tell me what your thoughts on Pittsburgh are. Let's talk Pittsburgh for however many time, however much time, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. What do you think about the Steelers? Uh, you, know, you mentioned earlier that I'd be going on with uh, Bleacher Report. And yeah. I – predicted that the 49ers actually lose. Like that that was before I knew anything about where the Steelers were headed. And you know, you listen to this stuff this and first of all, that was just off the strength of all right, you know, 49ers man, like week 1, you got to travel on the road. I know everybody, I hear this slow start stuff. I think that's more so the 49ers offense, but uh you got to travel on the road, you're going to Pittsburgh and I have too much respect for Mike Tomlin coach teams to just think that they're just going to allow somebody to just roll in there and just handle them however they want week one. That's what surprised me that the 49ers are favored by like two and a half points or something like that. It's like, so, you know, home teams usually get three points and then you're still giving two and a half to the 49ers, which is kind of like saying they're going to win by a little less than a touchdown. And I I don't know, man, I find that hard to believe. I find that hard to buy into. They're, they're probably going to have to win by more than the touchdown because you don't want to leave it up to a kicker, whoever the hell is kicking for the 49ers, all right? But uh, everything coming out of Pittsburgh right now is how well, you know, Kenny Pickett looked. Like, through training camp, it was just like, man, Kenny Pickett, everything I heard, Kenny Pickett, he's looking sharp. He's looking good. He's looking sharp. Like, Kenny Pickett, like, man, he's taking that next step. He looks good. And it's like, okay, like, you know, whatever. Maybe they're just talking them up. You hear that stuff about a lot of guys. Well, he gets in the preseason, and – Tomlin's a little old school. He's still playing some of his guys out there. And I love he, that quote, that boxing quote. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's like, I've never met a boxer that wouldn't spar beforehand. Right. When they were yeah. asking him about why his guys were playing. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, okay, you got guys out there. And it's like, okay, well, you only play five drives. Pick it. That's nothing too crazy. Well, five drives, five touchdowns. All right. Like, yeah, that's legit. Right. And, again, it is just preseason. Probably playing against a lot of backups. But that's just showing where he's at with the offense, right? Like just understanding it, um, putting him in a position to win regardless of who's out there. And all right, like I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. We got weapons. We got Deontay Johnson. We got uh, Pickens. We got, you know, Najee Harris. We got Warren. You got McFarland, the other running back. The offensive line is playing a little bit better, right? So if everything is just a tick better, what does that look like on a well-coached team with Pittsburgh where – 
are, you know, defensively, they're healthy. Uh, they got scary guys out there on the back end with uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, who, you know, that my love for, for that guy. Right. Uh, you know, you have TJ Watt. Out on the other side, you got, you know, Alex Highsmith. He had 14 and a half sacks last year. You know? Cam Hayward. You got Cam Hayward. I mean, come on. I, I mentioned three, four guys before even getting to Cam, Cam Hayward, who's a terrific guy. So uh, I think that this is will be a really good game. I think it's a terrific challenge for the 49 I think it's a terrific challenge for, you know, Brett Purdy to kind of really go out there and, uh, you know, see what he's got against this caliber team, who I, th- I hold to a high standard because Mike Tomlin has shown us nothing. But even when they are down, they're still not down. Right. I, I mean, everything you said is exactly the way I, f- I feel like if the 49ers can somehow go to Pittsburgh and win this game, I will be very impressed. Not because I don't think the 49ers are good. Not because I don't think they're going to be good this season. It's just that's a tough that's a tough situation. Brock Purdy's first game since injuring his arm. He's going in there. That team may or may not be with Nick Bosa. If they're without Nick Bosa, then and one of the things I meant to say about Nick Bosa earlier while you're talking about him is. Like, dude, that guy could not get anywhere close to the quarterback, and he's still affecting the quarterback right. because that quarterback knows Nick Bosa is on the field with him. Like, it doesn't – the amount of, like, impact a guy like Nick Bosa has just being on the field is immeasurable. Like, just the fact that a quarterback, especially a younger one like Pickett, knows he's over there, whether or not he gets perfectly blocked or not, is a problem. Like, he's his timing is sped up. He knows – he thinks he doesn't have time, whether or not he does or not he's going to feel like he doesn't have time because that guy's coming after him. And then, you know, going from that to Cleveland Farrell and Drake Jackson, like he's going to feel like he's got forever. Yeah. Like, and, and what you, when you're talking about Kenny Pickett in the preseason, like he scored when he's supposed to score. He led drives for a touchdown when you're supposed to. And when you do that, your confidence just goes, you know, where like for some people, if it's like, if you, if you do well, oh, it's just preseason. But if you do bad, it's like, oh, look, you're terrible, you know? Right, he's like, well, right. he did good. He did what he was supposed to do. So, you know, I look at Kenny Pickett. He's a guy who, you know, uh, you know, my co-host Brian Peacock, he has another show that he does with this guy, Matt Williamson, who's a Steelers guy. He's like – Right. The more take- NFL-centric one, yeah. right? He's like, yeah, I, yeah. I would take Kenny Pickett all day over Brock Purdy. He was like, you give me Kenny Pickett with the 49ers weapons and that offensive coordinator, like, it's an easy decision for me. So, like, that's how they're viewing Pickett. Uh, you know, outside of 49 land. Again, there are people that are really high on them. And, you know, I'm cautiously high on him. Yeah, cautiously optimistic is what I would have what I would have said too. Uh, but I but, mean, you're talking about weapons, dude. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at him, you know, like Dante Johnson, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, you know, and then even their backup running backs are are, are able to get out there. And it's like to me, when I first looked at this game, I'm like, which defense is going to play better? That's yeah. who's going to win. Like, the 49ers defense should play better. But then you look at the Steelers defense, and you're like, they're not bottom half of the league in anything. They're not necessarily top five in, in many things. Um, but they're not bad at anything. And they're playing at home opening week against a young quarterback like Brock Purdy, against a team that has dealt with every possible fucking distraction you could ask for this offseason. Yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of shit going against the 49ers. I don't think they're going to win, and I'm a pretty positive. I think I had the 49ers winning, like, 14 games when I first saw the schedule. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily sure this is one of them because it just seems like 
everything stacked against him. If Nick Bosa's not out there, that's a whole other story. But again, we're talking about this like they are. I mean, I think it'll be close. I think the 49ers will make it a game with anybody, you know, pretty much. Maybe, I mean, we saw the Chiefs game. Maybe not with the Chiefs. I, I can't say anybody. But it's tough, man. If they win this game, I'd be very impressed. I don't necessarily expect them to. But if they do, I, I'd be like, okay, this is, it, this is, this might be a thing. And with the 49ers, you know that, I mean, they, they play a brand of football that travels and, you know, ton of weapons offensively. Uh, you know, you talked about the, you know, which defense is going to play better. I don't have as much faith in the 49ers just being a great defense if Nick Bosa is not out there. But uh, either way, I think the 49ers will be very well coached. I'm curious to see what it looks like with Wilkes on defense. But offensively, uh, hopefully Kyle gets his offense to come out to a faster start than what we've seen in the past. And if they do that, they definitely can win. But it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I might be on here to talk about it more. I might not. I don't know. I'm I, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to I, – I still got to record some other stuff. It's too late. I'm going to go to bed and just save this episode for tomorrow. But, uh, well, bro, I mean I, – I, so, one, it's great to have you back on here. Two, it's probably more my fault for it being once every 100 episodes. Like, I should probably – you should probably come on here more often. But you then again, know. you know, you like – do? You shoot me a text. Like, hey, Croc, you trying to come on. <laughs> you already know. Heck, yeah, let's do it. I know. So, it's a little on me, but at the same time, you know, it's it's something that should be very special. And – uh I'm happy for you, man. I, I see everything you're doing. I'm always seeing everything you're doing. And you know, I got nothing but love and I'm proud of you. And, you know, I just, uh, and I'm happy you're back in California, bro. I'm sure I'll see you at some Niner games this year. Heck yeah. Yep. I, I, I'm probably go to the Dallas game. Um, I think I'll go to the Dallas, but it's like, there was like Dallas, Cleveland, and uh, Minnesota. And it's like, I like to go to places I haven't been, but it's a little different too, because now, um, Bleach Report, like they let me pick the dates that I want to come on, and it's like a lot of a lot of them are like pre and post game, uh, right? Shows, right. so it's like if I'm on the road, I can't do it, and it's like well, that's five hundred dollars a pop, like I mean, right? Well, I mean, whatever, man, whatever. At least I know you're just down the road a little bit. Yeah. Uh, tell everybody like where the 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 thirteen different places they can find you. Uh, well, I guess the most important place is probably Twitter that where you could see most of the things I'm doing. And that's at Eric underscore Crocker uh, or X, whatever it's called now. I don't know. X? Yes. It's whatever we want it to be. Yeah. At Eric underscore Crocker. You can find me on there. And then uh, YouTube. Uh, type in Eric Crocker. I should pop up. I typically do a morning show on there. Uh, try to do it five days a week. Uh, we go live at 8 a.m. Pacific time. And then locked on 49ers, myself, Brian Peacock. And uh, we come at you for sure five days a week. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you remember your little segment coming up here, right? You remember how to handle this this outro? Yep. When I close this out? All right. Well, hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. You know, you got a little bit of everything. Obviously got about a lot of 49ers. We got a lot of Crocker. Hope you guys uh, – thanks again, bro. I appreciate it, man. We'll, right, we'll get back on here. Yeah. We'll get back on here sooner than 100, I promise. All right. For sure. So. I love it. So, all right, everybody. Unfortunately, in, in this case, more than any, uh, all good things must come to an end. I appreciate all you guys out there listening. Um, if you want to uh, hop on your whatever you're listening to, leave us a positive review. Only if you feel like we've earned it. Um, hit us up on Twitter. If you heard anything here, you just straight up disagree with. Crocker and I are reasonable dudes. We'll talk about anything, man. And he's great at just pretty much replying to anybody. So uh, don't feel like you're going to get ghosted if, if you hit us up. But um like I said, all good things must come to an end. Again, I appreciate all your support. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. But for another week, 
I'm not sure when this episode is going to post. If I'm going to post it Thursday, I still got to record some ad stuff. So we'll see. You guys will hear it before the Steelers game. So I appreciate you listening. But as always, all good things must come to an end. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. That's it. I'm Rob. That's Eric. This is Striking Gold. And we are signing out. Peace.